Hey, what's up, Beaver Nation? Mike Singer here, editor at beaversedge.com. We have a fantastic podcast today. Interview with former Oregon State wide receiver Timmy Hernandez, and then we wrap up talking a huge weekend in Oregon State athletics with the baseball team looking really good, men's basketball team sweeps Oregon, and then the women's basketball team splits with a really good duck squad. Really exciting times in Oregon State Athletics. Let's get this podcast going. Welcome to the Edge Podcast, your home for recruiting news and team analysis inside the Oregon State Beavers football, basketball, and baseball programs. BeaversEdge.com is the authority on all things Oregon State Athletics. Now, here's your host, BeaversEdge.com editor, Mike Singer. To start this episode of the Edge Podcast, we have a special guest and former Oregon State wide receiver, Timmy Hernandez from Phoenix, Arizona. Timmy caught 107 passes for 1,259 yards and seven touchdowns in three years at Oregon State. He also rushed for 11 yards, which is 11 more than anyone was expecting. Timmy, how are you doing? (laughs) Good, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Really appreciate you jumping on the Edge podcast. Um, l- let's start right right off with how things are going in your life. What are you up to? Your college career's wrapped up. You're looking to move into your next phase. What what do you kind of what what are you striving towards? Is it professional football? Is it something else? Kind of you know catch us up on what's going on. Yeah, right now I'm in the training program, getting ready for our uh, pro day coming up next month and. You know, it's really like a full-time job at the facility, about eight hours of a day, Monday, Tuesday, Friday. Um, uh, and it's, it really is like a full-time job. You put your hours in, and you know, I'm surrounded by a good group of guys that are also striving for the same thing. And, you know, it's it's difficult. It's mentally and physically taxing, and it's something that, you know, you need to do in order to prepare for trying to get to the next level. Who are some of the guys you're working out with that are also, um, you know, gonna work out with that pro day with you? And is it just work? I'm, I'm, like you said, it's eight hours a day. But are you working out and getting route work in? Kind of walk us through both of those things. Yeah, um, the, a lot of the day is really about you know flexibility and is rehabbing anything that possibly you could um, gonna be getting over through your, throughout your college career and. Then we have uh, certain days where we'll work with the position coaches and you go over film and you know practice wonder lick tests and all the different you know um, things that you do at the combine like the 40 and the broad jump and the vertical and you test keep testing and testing and just you know work on your form and everything and it's good to be able to you know practice things that you know you're going to be tested on. That's the one good thing about pro days and combines is you know, you know exactly what you're going to do and when you're going to do it. So it's a little easier to prepare something like that. And then some of the guys you're also training with that are um, also going to be working out with the pro day? Yeah, there's a, there's, I think it's, we have a group of 12 people. Um, there's some guys from around the, the country, you know, from Boston College, Tennessee, Duke, um, Nevada. There's there's three guys from Stanford there that you know um, some people might know some of their names, um, but it's just really a good group of guys that you know we push each other to work harder and we're all striving towards the same thing. So it's good to be able to go in and see other people doing the same thing that you're doing. And where are you working? Where are you guys working out at? Fisher's Institute. It's uh, it worked out well for me because it's only 15 minutes away from where my parents live, but it's a pretty good. Spot and they've had pretty good success with people in the past. 
So you've already graduated then from Morgan State, or are you just wrapping up classes online, or what? Yeah, I graduated in December. Awesome. That's good stuff. Let's go all the way back to you choosing Oregon State um, from your junior college. What made you want to sign with the Beavers? Well, I had been to Corvallis before when my brother played there, and it was a cool atmosphere to go to Regis Stadium. And I mean, you, you guys know how it is there. And um, really, as I was at junior college, and you know, I had worked really hard in high school and junior college just to be able to get a shot to Oregon State offer me, you know, I was ready. I was ready to be able to move on to the next level and they were the first ones to really jump on me and so I when I had the opportunity to to take it, I I took it and, you know, a month after they offered me I was on campus starting an off season program. And your first season at Oregon State was in 2016 as a sophomore. You started nine games that season, caught 19 passes for 241 yards and a touchdown. Clearly, I've done my homework, Timmy. You guys beat Arizona and Oregon to end that year, finish 4-8. and eight. What was your favorite part about that season? Was it the Civil War, which is obviously a, a fun one for Oregon State? Was it something else? What was kind of your favorite part of that 2016 season? Yeah, Civil War for sure. That was, that was a game I remember for the rest of my life. I mean, that, that was amazing and it was also one of the coldest games too, and it was coming down at the end with the rain. But it was cool just looking up, and I've never heard a stadium so loud. And when uh, that fourth quarter, when we scored that last touchdown, and everyone kind of knew that it was over, and you know, and the fans coming down, and I just had a, my brother was were visiting that weekend, and I knew some of the recruits that were there that weekend, and all the students that came onto the field. I knew a lot of the guys that I ended up bumping into. It was a, it was a really cool night. Following season, Timmy, S- simple question, what the hell happened? <laughs> Not a good season the following year. I mean, I-, I remember some of the interviews before the start of the season, some of the guys were like bowl game or bust and uh, didn't quite live up to that. Yeah, I mean, if you look back to the 2016 season, we went 4-8, and eight, and I mean, you look at some of the games, I'd say Washington and Colorado, we got, you know, we got beat up pretty well, but the other 10, you know, we were really in it until the end. You look at uh, UCLA, we threw a pick six as we were going to tie the game with two minutes left. Utah, we lost by five with like two missed field goals and then a a safety on special teams that I can remember. And there's a handful of games like that where it felt like if we would just play a little bit better in 2016, we probably would have made a bowl. So going into the offseason in 2017, we we felt like we had a better team and we felt like we had an opportunity to, to come out and play better. And I mean, that Colorado State game started out good. You know, we we drove down the field, we scored, and we, we uh, ended up getting the ball back with the chance to make a two-possession game in the first quarter and really start off well. And if you look back to the stats of that game, we lost by like 20-something, but we only got outgained by like 40 yards. And it's just because of the things, just bad things that kept piling on over and over and over again. And... uh like I mean, it started with the, in the first half that we ended uh, with that. Remember, I don't know if you remember that touchdown that Noah had. I ended up getting called, not a touchdown. We settled for a field goal, and you know, going into half, we felt like we should have been winning, but we were losing. And then uh, first drive, we throw a pick six. Next drive, we were driving on the field. And I remember I fell down, and then the, the corner was just there to make an easy interception. And we threw, I think, or then we fumbled the ball as we were driving or something like that, and it just kept piling on and on. So coming out of that game, we felt like we were we were better than we showed, and then obviously we avoided disaster with Portland State, but 
and we play Minnesota, and they jump out to a quick 20-point lead or something like that. And, you know, uh, we were in a great situation, but we started to come back, and we were within a possession at halftime. And then it just things kept unraveling over and over over again in that game as well. And then we played a really hard stretch of the season where we played, you know, Washington, SC, and U- and uh, Washington State, which were three of the better teams in the country that year. And all of a sudden, we were sitting there one and five. And, I mean, you guys know what happened there. And after that all happened, you know, we had the heartbreaker with Colorado where we missed the field goal to send it to overtime, fumbled the ball versus Stanford when we had to run out the clock. And, and the rest was after that part, it was, you know, I think we are one and eight. And it just, after that, it wasn't a lot in the tank for everyone. And I don't know, I guess it just it didn't go as we planned it, obviously, but we felt going into the uh, year we were real confident. And then six weeks later to be one and five with that new head coach was not what we were all expecting. Definitely. You mentioned that Noah Togiai, uh, that was a butchered call. I, I could not believe. I thought he was definitely in. It was a beautiful, I believe it was a wheel route and a beautiful throw by Jake. And, and Timmy, I love the the humble brag of the, you, you kind of mentioned the first touchdown of that game, but you didn't mention that it was it was you scoring it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was, I mean, you, 30 years from now, you can say, sitting in a bar with some, with some guys, be like, yeah, I caught the first touchdown of the season. Uh, of the entire college football season in 2017, no one, no one can take that away from you. Yeah, I'm actually on that, uh, on that touchdown though, uh, I think like a lot of people kind of like, what are you doing on that? Like pointing your ring finger thing. Like, I think I confused a lot of people with my touchdown. Uh, two days before my, my now brother-in-law had he called me and told me he was going to propose to my sister, and so he proposed to her that Friday, and then they both came to the game the next day on that Saturday. So I told them like, hey, I'm going to score the first touchdown. And I told all my teammates what I was going to do. So when I actually scored and then I pointed to the ring finger, I think, to give them a shout out for getting engaged. And then when I came onto the sidelines, all my teammates were, hey, you actually did it, you know? And then uh, I sent them the picture after the game and they were really excited. And it was cool to be able to share that with them. That's awesome. And and now you're dropping breaking news on this. I don't know if anyone knew that outside of that locker room. So I appreciate you sharing it. That's pretty cool to me. Um. So, like you mentioned, obviously, the the coaching staff um, after that 2017 season wasn't around other than um, a few people in, in the football offices. So, was it kind of tough to see all those coaches that recruited you no longer at Oregon State? Well, actually, the first one to recruit me was Kalani Sataki. So, I actually never even got a place with him. Uh, right. And then, you know, after my first year, Coach Brennan obviously got that job at San Jose State. And so, I was kind of used to, you know, not not being coached by the same people, which can be a good thing as well. Cause, you know, everyone has their own way of coaching, and you can kind of pick everyone's brains a little bit about certain ways they like to do things, and you can kind of, you know, what, what there's things that you like about some coaches and not like about some coaches, and you can kind of put together the things you learn from different people. Enter the Jonathan Smith era now. Um, what were your, kind of your first impressions of Smith and, and Kofense Henson and Brian Lindgren? What did you think about those guys right away? Um, well, we were as an offense, we were all really excited when we got Lindgren because, um, I mean, you watch everyone offense throughout the Pac-12 every year when you're doing film, and you know it's one of the common things is Colorado's wide receivers were always just wide open and man or in, in zone coverage. Is, you know that we could clearly tell that they had a good offense coordinator that was running the good offense down there and knew how to get you know the right guys in the right places, and 
So when they hired Lindgren, we were all really excited. But yeah, I guess it started with, with Coach Smith. You know, we we were kind of sitting there for that first you know week or week and a half after the Oregon game, and kind of in that limbo of you know we still have to be on campus because we got class, but we don't have any coaching staff or anything. So we're just kind of waiting for whatever we we're um, whoever we we're coaching next year. I think like some people reported that Bill Baldwin was hired, and so we were all thinking that it was gonna be him maybe, and then. Jonathan Smith came out as he was gonna be the head coach, and we didn't know what we, who was really gonna be the head coach until we finally sat down and you know had a meeting with Coach Smith. And um, I guess really the one thing you know when you hire someone like Coach Smith is the biggest concern is it's the first time head coach, you know, who who's gonna be able to bring on with him. And I think the staff that he brought on was really impressive. I mean, you could look at some of these guys that made you know, sideways or arguably even you know took a down step. Or, um, when they took the job at Oregon State, and I think it just it speaks about the type of coach that he is, that you know, the type of reputation that he has, and people want to be able to coach for him and people want to play for him, and I think that he'll be able to have a good career at Oregon State. Your senior season, Timmy, you had big performances against, uh, when I was looking at your game-by-game stats, I thought Nevada, Arizona, Washington State, Colorado, and Oregon um, – just like half the season, I thought you had really good games. Which game did you feel you played the best in? Um, I think from like a top bottom, just running around, getting open, and blocking too. I'd probably say Arizona State actually, just because I think I caught every target except for one or two that got knocked down, and um, also it was, a, it was a game that Isaiah got hurt pretty early, and so we kind of had to move people around between me and Trevon, and then Champ got to step up and Colby. And it was, uh, I think, as a receiver group, we kind of stepped up that game. And then now this is another game that we were in it until, uh, like, late in the third quarter, we got down to the five-yard line, and they made a goal-line stand and were making a one-possession game, and then they ended up driving 95 yards on the field. And that was another one of those times where we felt like we were, we were close to being able to keep it in the game, and then all of a sudden just two or three plays, and we're in a big hole. So you went with one that wasn't even on my list. I, I like that. And I, I have you have you thought about coaching? Because you have a really good memory. I, I I really like that about you. I mean, you're you're recalling drives from that Colorado State game, which was what two and a half years ago. It's pretty impressive. Have you thought about coaching? Maybe down the road, but I don't know. I mean, that's something that I think you really need to talk to people that you know. And I I probably you know hit up some of my old coaches that been able to have successful careers because. I mean, coaching isn't something easy. You're never really in the same place. I mean, I think Coach Brennan, probably my first receivers coach, probably the coach that had like the longest stint in any of the schools. You know, he was always going to stay for six years, and that's something you don't really do a lot. And I think it'd be hard to you know have a family or stay. I mean, I would be able to stay in Arizona my whole career. That'd be hard to do, and that's a place where I want to live. And I don't know, coaching something that I do have to sit down, think about, it, and talk about with my you know, people around me. Definitely, definitely. Jake Luton got a sixth-year of eligibility. He's going to battle with Tristan Jebbia for the starting quarterback position. Obviously, you know Jake well, and I, I know Tristan was running the scout team in the fall when he got there. I'm not sure how familiar you are with Tristan, but kind of break down uh, the, the quarterback battle that Oregon State's going to have this upcoming year. What are your thoughts on those two guys? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, I think Jake, I was going to talk to him quite a bit. We thought that he'd be telling my pro day, so I was we were kind of getting excited for that, but it was obviously good for him to be able to have another year. And yeah, and I know Tristan pretty well. I mean, we had every Sunday they would have the younger guys go up and against each other in pads and things. And so I'd be sitting out there watching them. And he's a good player as well. And I, I think Jake 
to him is his biggest thing is being able to get back to 100% because when he is, he he has a, an arm that can really be a difference maker. And you know, Tristan's been out of the game for you know a year now or so, and I think uh, I think they'll give him a chance as well. I, I think they're in good good hands either way. I think as, as long as both of them, or at least one of them, can stay healthy at all times, I think that that offense is going to be able to make some plays next year. I think that last year we proved that even with you know Jake and Connor going back and forth that you know Coach Winnie can run a successful offense, and I think they're in good hands. Is Jebia kind of, uh, has he lived up to some of the hype? I mean, he was such a highly rated recruit back uh, in 2017. I mean, just in, in the limited time you've been able to see him, I mean, do you see that talent that um, has given him so much hype? Yeah, I think he's a, he's a good arm, and he's good at placing the ball where a lot of people can't get it to. You know? And uh, he, he throws a real catchable ball. He'd always be there after practice if I ever wanted to work on anything. He would uh, help me just, you know, throwing the ball if the other quarterbacks went available at the time. And, uh, I, I think that, you know, regardless if he wins the job this year, he'll have a chance later in the, in the future to win the job. And uh, I think he'll, you know, he'll have a good career at Oregon State. Of course, the goal for you, Timmy, is the NFL. Uh, but there's also um, the Canadian Football League. There's the, and then there's two new leagues, the, the AAF, which I believe is uh, the Alliance of American Football, and then the XFL, um, which is launching in 2020. Do you, are you aware of all of these different options for you, or are you just kind of dead set on one league? Um, do you feel like you got a, a good shot at any of them in particular? Kind of break that down for me, Timmy. Uh, I mean, I, I'm aware of all of them for sure. I think yeah, you keep all your options open, but right now it's definitely full speed in the head for the NFL, and you don't know how many how many shots you're going to get. So that's what I'm trying to focus on right now, but. If it doesn't work out, then you know those are leagues are something I can I can look into, and you know right now is a good time to be trying to get into professional football because of all these new leagues that are starting, and then you also have the NFL and the CFL, and um, I mean I, I believe myself to get a shot, and if I get a shot, I believe myself to make a team. So right now it's all I can ask for. Definitely, I know with the AAF, it's kind of regional of what team you end up at, but. If you're able to go to San Antonio, Mike Riley's a coach there who you might know a little bit. Yeah, I mean, they got Mike Riley. Uh, they got James Rogers over there, Lyle Moira, And I think they have Matt Troxel there too now. So we have quite a few Oregon State connections there. And, uh, yeah, I think those, those are a good group of guys to play for. Well, Timmy, appreciate you coming on. I think this was very uh, in, insightful for our listeners and it's definitely good information to chew on. Best of luck as you uh, continue your endeavors to play professional football, man. Beaver Nation will definitely be cheering you on. Thank you. Appreciate it. So that wraps up our interview with Timmy Hernandez, three-year receiver for the Oregon State Beavers from 2016 to 2018. I thought that was a really good interview. Um, Timmy's very um, smart. And, and I'll go back again to how he remembered some of those things from that Colorado State game in 2017 so well. I think he's got a potential career in coaching ahead of him um, if he is open to that. Hope Beaver Nation's having a great Tuesday, February 19th, coming off of one heck of a weekend in Oregon State Athletics. Here at BeaversEdge.com, I have to admit, football is king. I mean, j- just looking at our page views and all that stuff, football 
it's it's football. It, it's just king in American sports and and especially college football is just um, it's such a, a big thing. But with Oregon State, men's basketball, women's basketball, and baseball gets a ton of attention, and we cover it pretty closely here at BeaversEdge.com. Um, we have Mitch Monji and Brendan Slaughter covering the teams for us at BeaversEdge.com. And what a weekend in Oregon State Athletics. So start with baseball. Um, the Beavs are a top 10 team. And all they did was for this Sanderson-Ford College Baseball Classic in Surprise, Arizona, they beat New Mexico in come-from-behind fashion uh, February 15th on Friday, um, which was just kind of picking up where the Beavs left off in the 2018 season, routed Gonzaga on Saturday 9-3, routed Minnesota 13-1 on Sunday, and then capped it off by shutting out New Mexico 5-0. So Oregon State, again, picking up right where they left off, winning the 2018 National Championship. And the Beavs now have a four-game series against Nebraska starting this Thursday um, going to February 24th, the Sunday. The Thursday um, game is at noon. Friday game's at noon. Saturday, uh, 4 p.m. And then Sunday, 8 a.m. Pacific time and 9 a.m. local time there in Arizona. So certainly some um, interesting stuff ahead for Beaver Baseball. Should be a good series against Nebraska. And then March 1st, West Virginia comes to town before the Beavs the next week go to Seattle to face Minnesota again, Indiana, and Coastal Carolina. So some good baseball ahead for Oregon State. Really excited to see what the Beavers and Pat Bailey can do. Let's go over to the men's side. So baseball was great. Now let's look at men's basketball. Oregon State played Oregon. And beat them by 15 points at home in front of a great Corvallis crowd. Now the Beavs have won uh, two straight um, and what, four of their last five swept Oregon. The Beavs are 16-8 and eight on the season, 8-4 and four in conference. Now the Pac-12 is pretty down this season. And looking at the Beavs' net ranking, not looking too great in terms of um, getting into the NCAA tournament, but after the way the season started with, um, you know, a loss to St. Louis and, and Texas A&M and Kent State, um, you know, conference play um, started off great 3-0, and but then losing to Arizona State and Arizona, and who, they're not having great seasons, so, so things didn't really start off too great. But now Oregon State's really rolling again, winning um, four of their last five, going at UCLA and USC their next couple games, and then they got the Arizona schools, and then going back out to um, the Washington schools. I think the Beavs, if they can beat Washington, I mean, if they can run the stretch and make a little bit of noise in the Pac-12 tournament, I think the NCAA tournament... Uh, it could happen for the Oregon State Beavers men's basketball program. It might take winning the Pac-12 tournament to get in, 
but it, it will depend on how things go the rest of the season. But man, you got to give a lot of credit to the job Wayne Tinkle's done. Trace, Trace Tinkle, I think, is a very strong player of the year candidate. You got to really like the direction of the Oregon State men's basketball program. Switching over to the women's side, wow. I, in talking with Brendan Slaughter in our podcast last week, and Brendan's not able to join me in on our podcast episode this morning, we, we thought that the Beavs would probably split with Oregon, who is a top five team in the country, and that's what they did. They went on the road, fought hard on Friday, and lost to the to the Ducks. But this past Monday, um, 67-62 victory in front of a, a fantastic crowd on ESPN2. You got you know Doug Gottlieb tweeting about the game. So, I mean, just um, all around fantastic time in Oregon State Athletics with the men's basketball team looking good. This Oregon State women's basketball team... Uh, I, I think could potentially be a two-seed in the NCAA tournament, probably a high three-seed, though. We'll, we'll see if Oregon State can, you know, avenge a loss against Stanford and, and maybe beat Oregon again. That would be uh, pretty incredible there in Las Vegas in the beginning of March, but we'll have to see. I think they're most likely a three-seed, but... The Scott Rubik's men's bas- or women's basketball team, excuse me, 21 and 5, 11 and 3. Um, they're 5 and 2 on the road, which is impressive. Um, just a lot, a lot to like. Football is king, and um, but it's nice for these this off season. You have men's basketball team, women's basketball, and baseball. Kind of the three other sports we really focus here. Uh, at beaversedge.com to see them doing so well. It really makes these um, dog days of post-national signing day because, of course, at, at, at Edge, we're, we're focused on football recruiting. That, that's kind of um, you know w- what's, what's our big moneymaker, so to speak. So to be in this slower period, to, it's just a lot of fun to focus on these three programs as well as really kicking up our coverage of 2020 football recruiting for the Oregon State Beavers. So great podcast today, um, kind of wrapping this up with some teams, team talk, but really enjoyed our um, episode with, uh, or our, our interview with, with Timmy Hernandez. We, we've got a, some good stuff coming up with the Edge podcast here, BeaversEdge.com. Won't get into too much of it, but in, in the next month or so, we, we got some exciting stuff that I'm excited to share. Um, in, in the near future, can you, do you know the spring ball is just around the corner? Um, you got, uh, starts on March 5th, Mountainside Scrimmage on April 13th, and the spring game at Reeser is April 20th. So the Beavs, Take a few weeks off in between uh, March 16th and April 4th, but um, you know a lot of time. You know you got several weeks of spring ball. Although you know, like I said, some of it they won't be practicing, but you got a lot of time there for spring coverage at BeaversEdge.com, and uh, we'll definitely have some spring football podcasts that I'm really excited for. So just exciting times here at BeaversEdge.com. And uh, so that'll wrap up this episode, February 19th, 2019. Um, Thank you so much for listening. We will be back at it soon with another Edge podcast.